Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is October 6, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Happy Friday to everybody out there. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, our Director of Risk Management, Sean Bingham, out of Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Sean. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, Yeah, it's Friday already. I thought I thought today, Sean, we would talk about this jobs report that came out this morning. I think we have to. Yeah. We do, and and I want to I want to I want to have you relate it to what the feds might do or what might happen on that front, and then I thought we would do something even fun. I don't know if that's a word. I was going to say funner, but my mother in law is probably listening, going, "That's not a word, Mike." Yeah, more funner. Uh, more funner. More We're just going to go for it. Why not? Yeah, it's Friday. Right. Well, you already you already stepped right into it. Let's <laughs> let's let's own go. It. Let's own it and let's, uh, own it. let's go over to energy and what's happening over there and how that might impact uh, corn and soybean. Uh, and uh, those IQ subscribers, make sure you're checking out to the platform because Sean is posting his morning commentary every morning, talking about the various things with commodities. Uh, energy, inflation, the economy, and all that great stuff wrapped up together. So make sure you're checking that out. The other thing I will mention is our webinar, the Fall Market Outlook. Make sure you register for that on October 18th, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll have uh, Nicole, Kevin, and Eric talking about the various grains and sugar and what to look forward to as we move through the year. And I'm going to do something here, Sean. I'm going to say, what was more surprising to you this morning? That the Bears won a game or what they did on the jobs report this morning? Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I'm going with the jobs report. Okay. I know the the Bears are bad, but the commanders are equally terrible. So I, I, I think that was more of a... I, you know, I guess being the risk manager, I think that one fell that one fell a lot closer to a normal standard deviation than this jobs report. <laughs> uh, some so, of us are really laughing hard out there. Yeah, for all the stats geeks out there, they're probably <laughs> laughing. Everyone else is going, oh, "This guy must be a blast on the weekend." Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, what did they do in the jobs report? It's quite a shocker. Let's talk about it. So. Um, BLS released the numbers this morning, 7.30 Central, as they do the first Friday of every month. I shouldn't say as they always do, because every once in a while they don't do the first Friday. But they did today, and uh, the market was looking for, depending on which survey that you look at, uh, somewhere between 160 to 170,000 jobs added for September and uh, just to give you an idea, you know, the last few the last few jobs have been coming in, you know, pretty close to two hundred thousand. Um, the biggest number we saw recently back in May of three hundred and six thousand, and we got three hundred and thirty six thousand new jobs. Is that right? Is is that correct number? That is a correct number. Um, I. I'll divert for a second, and I because it reminds me of a story. I remember being on the floor. So they, when they post these numbers, 
on the exchange. You know, they got the big quote board and they have the, the ticker. So you can see what they posted. And then when they post the jobs numbers, they don't post the full 336,000, you know, with the comma and the zeros. They just put 336 or, you know, if it's 70,000, they just post 70. And one day, one day they just posted one, the number <laughs> one. Jeez. And, and the market was kind of, everyone was going, was it literally just a thousand jobs or, um, or was it a million, you know, then people started saying, was it a million job? It was the funniest thing because no one had, no one ever remembers seeing one job posted <laughs> anyway. So uh, yeah, that goes back a long time. Anyway, <laughs> you're dating yourself. I'm dating myself, but it was, it was really confusing in the market. You just kind of didn't know what to do. Uh, anyway, 336,000. So way, way above what they were looking for. And on top of that, uh, they revised July higher and August higher, August higher by, I believe, 40,000 jobs. So, wow. yeah, th this number was really hot. Uh, we average over the last 20 years, we average about 110,000 jobs a month. So this yeah. was, you know, almost exactly three times the average wow. over the last 20 years. We've had three or four big surprises uh, since 2022, which isn't entirely uh, unexpected because coming out of COVID, you know, the numbers were, were a little bit, a little crazy. So we've had some big jumps. Uh, we've had a lot more upside surprises than downside surprises for sure. The unemployment rate was uh, expected to actually drop from 3.8 to 3.7, but that stayed steady at 3.8. Uh, other numbers that people are watching is average hourly earnings. Uh, they were looking for that to stay steady at 4.3, came in at 4.2. So uh, what happened is this was one of those situations where good news is bad news. Okay. Because what happened was is the, the, the minute that number came out, stocks just just dropped like a rock. No. Of course, you would go, well, why would stocks drop if we're gaining more jobs? And the answer to that question is because when this number had it come in pretty close to normal, stocks probably wouldn't have done anything. But but a hot number like this means more inflation, wage inflation, mm. and at you know four point two, four point three average hourly earnings, uh, that is not disinflationary, and that's not what the what the Fed wants. But before we talk about the Fed, just wanted to dig in a little bit on these jobs because there's some interesting things in this. So just over the last 12 months, according to the BLS, we've uh, had th about 3.2 million increase in non-FARB uh, payrolls over the last 12 months. Of that, uh, we have had private education and healthcare services has led that uh, just a little bit over 1 million new jobs. Leisure and hospitality which is no surprise because COVID shut down restaurants and hotels and air travel and all that. Mm -hmm. So they're still recovering from losses from COVID. They've, uh, over the last 12 months, uh, a little under 900,000 new jobs. Uh, this won't surprise anybody. Government jobs, 625,000. So those are your biggest three gainers, private education and healthcare, leisure and hospitality, and the never-ending growing government. Places that we are still, that we have actually lost jobs in total over the last 12 months, information services. I'm not exactly sure 
what that entails, but I, I think we are talking about uh, like computer and information, you know, tech, yes. but not high tech. Yeah. Here's one that hit probably hits home. Transportation and warehousing has lost almost 20,000 jobs in the last 12 months in total. So when we talk about transportation issues and supply chain problems, well, when people say you can't get workers, they're not lying. They can't get workers uh, because we've actually seen job openings which was reported this week, we're seeing job openings increase. So we're having real difficulty hiring some jobs. And unfortunately, transportation and warehousing is one of those areas. Well, and absolutely. We've seen it in the uh, in, in our world, uh, you know, whether it's been uh, the rail situation with either turnover or lack of uh, number of employees in that, and as uh, for certain in in the trucking industry, and especially a lot of our listeners out there in a specialized uh, trucking industry where you're taking uh, you know bulk loads and things like that, it's just harder and harder to find uh, find folks that want to drive. So yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's an issue. You know, the sense. the uh, the Fed has a new what they call a uh, supply chain pressure index. I haven't looked at it here recently, but it has come way, way down, basically to where, according to the Fed, there there is no supply chain pressures. But I I think that is a cumulative uh, measure or a cumulative index. There are clearly still some supply chain problems in yeah. certain segments of the economy. And, uh, and transportation is, is certainly one of them. So that's pretty interesting on the dynamics of what was up and what was down. Yeah. Um, how, how is the Fed looking at all this and what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, so the Fed, they have to take note of this. I, obviously, this is, you know, economically, this is the biggest report of the month. Uh, and, and now it has even more significance because it was such an outlier. Going into this number, uh, there was some talk that we could have one more Fed rate increase, uh, 25 basis point increase at either the November meeting or the December. Uh, I always say they, they would prefer not to do anything in, in December ahead of the holidays. They, so November was probably going to be a little bit more likely than not. But basically, went, we went from yesterday's closing levels, the Fed fund market uh, estimating about a 20% chance of a hike in November. And that meeting actually starts on October 31st two-day meeting. So we'll get the announcement on November 1st. Uh, Went from 20% to last I looked about a little bit over 32%. So we are now not quite at 50-50, but we'll see how that that number progresses over the next uh, few days as the the market kind of tries to decipher what what all this means. But, you know, uh, I've said this before, uh, in, in some commentary, unfortunately, you know, the Fed obviously is trying to put the inflation genie back in the bottle. And that's that's never easy. But we've had, I believe, 11 rate hikes now, taking the funds rate from basically 0.1 to 5.3 and change. Um, if you look at the forward curve, the forward curve still has the Fed funds rate peaking out or the the actual rate that it trades out, peaking out around 544. So just another 10 or 11 basis points higher than here before we start potentially getting rate cuts in, uh, in 2024. But, you know, my point being the Fed can raise rates a lot 
where we're seeing inflation is headline inflation. Headline inflation meaning in, uh, inflation including food and energy. And we all know energy has been a big component of inflation because when you look at core, which takes those out, that's actually come down quite a bit. So it's really been the energy part that has been stuck. So what has happened this week? Because this may have a lot to do with what happens with the Fed as well. We got like a triple whammy of, of, uh, of what I'll call good information news, i.e. bearish the energy market. We had, number one, I believe it was on Tuesday, the uh, OPEC had a meeting of their ministers. And while no one really expected them to cut production anymore or even extend the productions they have, it was a possibility because Brent crude prices had come down a fair amount since the last announcement. But they they held steady. They didn't make any changes. So we can just kind of put that one in the, uh, you know, the, you wipe your forehead. Whew, all right, we, we missed, we dodged a bullet on that one because they could have they could have extended some of those production cuts. We had, of course, you got the bond market just absolutely uh, on a tear, lower in price and higher in yields. And what that means is that means, you know, people are getting very, very nervous that, uh, you know, the, the potential government shutdown, we, you know, we just ousted the Speaker of the House. Uh, disruption in government is making bond yields rise on top of the 11 rate hikes we've already had. And what does that mean? That means borrowing costs for everyone have risen dramatically. The the 30-year bond, I believe, touched 5% this week. Uh, that's the highest it's been in, in several years. So that is weighing on potential global growth. We know China has got issues. We know Europe has issues. Uh, Their economies are struggling. They're they're also trying to fight inflation. So that was the second whammy. And then the third whammy, which was uh, particular to motor gasoline, was probably the the biggest stocks increase in motor gasoline last week, uh, reported by the EIA since January of 2022, I believe, six and a half million barrels. And that kind of rippled through the energy markets as a whole that even though this is a time where uh, refiners are, are generally down for maintenance and we're moving from summer blends to winter blends, we usually still see draws in crude oil and diesel. And that big, that big uh, build was, was notable. And that sent our Bob tumbling and crude oil and uh, diesel following. And then as of uh, yesterday or this morning, uh, I heard the announcement that, that the Russians are now going to allow diesel exports again. So that, that weighed on wow. uh, heating oil market, diesel heating oil yesterday. So a lot of moving parts um, going on. And, uh, you know, it, it's, again, the, and these are, <laughs> this has been a volatile week for energy and now the economy with that payroll report which is uh, probably got the Fed really scratching their head what to do. Uh, and is it as if it wasn't already difficult to try to predict where the economy is going to be in six months or 12 months, this really just throws a, uh, another monkey wrench into that, that equation. Uh, and I'm sure economists everywhere are trying to make sense of this muddle of information. Yeah pointing in different directions. Yeah. And we don't have Nicole on the, on the uh, podcast today, of course, but uh, soybeans and corn, obviously this uh, may be bearish for those two uh, commodities, all, all this information. 
Absolutely, and most certainly uh, uh, soybean oil in particular, because that diesel market has been, has and continues to be very, very tight on a supplies basis. I, I want to say that we're still about 12 and a half uh, percent below the five-year average, whereas with these latest builds in RBOB, we've now seen RBOB actually get back to the five-year average, actually a little bit above, I think about 1.1% above. Diesel is still a problem, but we've seen we've seen heating oil prices come down measurably here in the last two, uh, few days, and that's pulling soybean oil down because obviously the, the correlation there is very, very high. I still... I still believe, you know, we have a dynamic where if crude oil and energy prices get low enough, then we're probably going to see Saudi Arabia go ahead and extend the production cuts that are supposed to end at the end of the year into 2024. And that'll just bump those prices right back up. And that'll bump, mm. uh, that'll bump up gasoline, it'll bump up diesel, and it'll pull soybean oil up back with it. So, you know, for buyers of soybean oil, uh, I have been saying that it is statistically anyway, going to be very difficult to get under 52, 53 cents a pound in the spot market with energy prices, uh, particularly diesel holding, you know, in this close to $3, you know, 275 to $3 range. I think we'd have to get under 250 to even get a whiff at 50 cent soybean oil got it got it here anytime soon so great a lot of moving parts a lot of moving parts yes so uh we're gonna uh go ahead and wrap this one up sean and that was a great recap but it sounds like there's gonna be a lot of uh potential volatility and and as as we move forward on these two markets yeah i mean just when we thought you know things were calming a little bit nah, nah, <laughs> never nope Nope. Never a dull moment, they say. No, never a dull moment. So, uh, yeah, plenty, plenty more uncertainty uh, economically and energy-wise in the future. Yes, like they always say, one thing's for sure. <laughs> there'll be uncertainty. <laughs> exactly. One thing's certain, right? <laughs> one thing's certain. There you there'll go. always be uncertainty. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Sean. Uh, again, a great job. Uh, again, for those listeners out there, reminder to uh, sign up for our webinar on October 18th, the Fall Market Outlook. You can go to our website at mckinney-flavel.com. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Don't take it for granted. And happy birthday to my wife, Michaela, for this weekend. Nice. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.